I'm Jim Lowe, and I'm arts editor of the Times Argus and Rutland Herald. Each week, I travel the state hearing, watching, enjoying the best Vermont has to offer in the arts, and I try to put it together and deliver it to you. It all culminates with the Vermont Arts section every Saturday in the Times Argus and Rutland Herald. Okay, uh, this is George Nostrand, and I am here via phone with uh, arts editor Jim Lowe, and we're going to take a look at the, this weekend's arts uh, lineup for the Vermont Arts for the Rutland Herald and Times Argus. Uh, how you doing, Jim? I'm doing all right. Staying sick out of, of the snow. Sick of so much snow, but... <laughs> yeah, we had a little summer, summer weather going on there for a while. I think it's uh, back to winter. I think so. Well... Speaking of snow, uh, why don't you uh, kick off and tell us a little bit about the first thing you want. The, uh, the lead story this week is about a festival called Spice on Snow in Montpelier. Mm-hmm. And it's sponsored by a local folk music school, mm-hmm. traditional music school. and But it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least half a dozen venues are going oh, wow. for two days, including restaurants there's a lot of Cajun influence. I don't know where that comes from. Cajun's mm-hmm. a long way away. <laughs> uh, but anyway, there's Cajun food and everything like that. It's, it's, on, it's on three days, 23rd to 26th. And it's, it's a huge thing. In Montpelier, they all come out for it, even if they, I mean, even if they don't like Cajun food. Mm-hmm. And this is the, the 10th anniversary, is that correct? Yes, this is the 10th year. Okay, cool. And is this run by the downtown partnership or the town? No, or it's, no, it's oh. not. It's run by the uh, Summit School of Traditional Music. Oh, okay. Very cool. Which is a long-standing organization in Montpelier. Cool. That teaches all the traditional music forms. Mm-hmm. Okay. But simultaneously, if you want to go to the other end of the state, on the 25th and 26th, the Brattleboro Music Center is holding the Northern Roots Festival, the mm-hmm. Traditional Music Festival, which has been going, I don't know how many years that's been going, but not as long. But it's, again, that's a, that's a big deal down there, and there's a big traditional music following in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So if you like traditional music, you got it. It's a, it's a big weekend for that, right? It certainly is. I haven't been down to that uh, Brattleboro Music Center. Is that um, have you been down there before? Hold up, I've been I've been part of it actually. Yeah. Oh, cool. Since college, um, they have unusually an outstanding facility mm-hmm. that includes it's a complex that on top of classrooms, practice rooms, storage rooms, office space, they have two concert halls. Oh, wow. One is a recital hall for small stuff. One, the other is, is bigger. And uh, if they really need bigger, they go to, go to the Latches Theater. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Uh, it happened over a period of about 10 years. And uh, it's, it's quite exciting for a community nice. of that size to have something like that. This is Eric King, and you're listening to Major Prelude and Minor Mishaps, the Vermont Arts Podcast from the Barry and Montpelier Times Argus and the Rutland Herald. And uh, you have a theater uh, 
event that's going on you're going to talk about too, right? Yes, uh, a rather big one. Northern Stage in White River is mounting the monstrous Shakespeare tragedy, King Lear. Mm. And this is a big deal because it's a one, it's a big play. It's very demanding, and they're not cutting it, and they're not dumbing it down. Mm. Um, I've been to some of the rehearsals, though, and it looks pretty exciting. Jamie Morton, who teaches at Dartmouth and is a well-known playwright, is actually playing King Lear, and this will be his first time around with it. He's just a tad bit nervous. (laughs) And remind me again, where is Northern Stage located? White River Junction. Okay. They have another one of those fabulous facilities. Mm -hmm. They have their own modern theater that was built uh, just a few years ago. Mm. And it's got all the bells and whistles and the technical stuff, and it's it's rather amazing. Um, They do pretty substantial work, and this Mm. is looking good. As I say, I've been to rehearsals, Mm -hmm. and it looks really good. Excellent. Uh, Anything else you want to let folks know about as far as this weekend's edition? Well, I think I might add, uh, there's one story in the section that's a little more esoteric. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is the story about the Vermont Symphony Orchestra, which is coming to uh, Burlington and Rutland that same weekend, mm. the 25th and the 26th. But this violinist, Leela Josephowicz, who is Canadian-born but grew up in L.A. and Philadelphia, uh, is playing the violin concerto by Alban Berg. And he was part of that school that wrote 12-tone music, mm. which is atonal, which means it was without a tonality. You know how there are eight notes in the scale, which you can find in, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you can find in Sound of Music, they sing it. But this has all the, tw- has all the half tones. Oh, okay. So it's, it's a little strange. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, the piece she's playing, the Berg Concerto, is, is very romantic and very, very beautiful. Mm-hmm. And she's, become quite the star performing stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be her third time with the Vermont Symphony Orchestra. Previously, she played the Beethoven Violin Concerto, and she also played the Philip Glass Violin Concerto. Oh, wow. So so she's she's pretty good. She's got skills, huh? Yes. Excellent. And so uh, people can find out about where these events are, how to get tickets and, and additional information in uh, this weekend's newspaper, right? Exactly. All right, well, thanks, Jim, for uh, coming in and and chatting with us via phone. And uh, stay out of that snow, and we'll talk to you soon. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks. This is Debo Maluji, and you are listening to Major Prelude and Minor Mishaps. Brought to you by the Rutland Herald and the Barry Montpelier Times Argus. Welcome to the second part of our podcast, where I, George Nostrand, podcast engineer, take over the mic to introduce you to local artists for our Works in Progress section. This week I spoke with three artists, Susan Calza, Ginger Pearl Irish, and Nina Dubois, about their shared exhibit, Spilt Milk, and their upcoming artist talk this weekend. So, yeah, why don't we, we start maybe, Nina, by having you just kind of uh, read off the basic information there. Of okay. the show, and then also the um, the artist talk or reception kind of thing. 
Okay, well, the exhibition is called Spilt Milk, and um, it's three versions of Worldly Upset featuring Susan Calza, Ginger Pearl Irish, and myself, Nina Dubois. Um, it's a mix of mixed media, video, and work on paper. Um, this exhibition has been going on since December 7th, and it will be taking place until January 26th. Um, we have an open reception this weekend, celebration, on Sunday, January 19th from 2 to 4 p.m. And um, our art artist talks will be taking place at 3 p.m. The gallery is in Montpelier. Uh, it's Susan Cowza's gallery on 138 Main Street. And um, the gallery hours are Saturday 2 to 5, Sunday 2 to 5, or by appointment. Okay, great. Um, Ginger, why don't we start with you? Uh, just give us a little bit of background. Where are you from originally? And tell us just a little bit about your, your work. Yeah, sure. I grew up in Shelburne, Vermont, and I now live in Jericho. Uh, I've been making work since I was a teenager, and my work is really about the body and the touch points between the personal and political experience of womanhood and gender and sexuality. Great, cool. Um, Susan, can you kind of give us some background? Um, my name is Susan Calza. I've lived in Vermont since 1992. I was hired as a sculpture professor at Johnson State College in 92. Um, I stopped teaching uh, five years ago, 2014. I opened a gallery in Montpelier uh, just over a year ago. And I opened the gallery specifically to have a political voice. Um, I think art is a, a fabulous tool. I think it's really a barometer for what's going on culturally. And so I decided um, the day Susan Collins said that she was going to vote for Brent Kavanaugh for Supreme Court, I said, yes, I'm going to open this gallery. <laughs> So I'm a visual artist, installation artist. I work with video, um, work on paper, sometimes performance, mostly mostly installation. Interdisciplinary, so okay. I use many different um, materials. I, I don't subscribe to one material or another. Um, usually the focus is, is the political through the personal. Um, and I, it seems like the work is getting more political and less personal as the years go on. Mm. Guess that sums it up. And again, the galleries in close to downtown Montpelier, right across from the Kellogg Hollywood Library. Yeah, and let's just uh, jump into some of that. I uh, one of the first uh, podcast kind of interviews I did was with a panel of musicians. Um, and we had uh, one of our reporters doing the, um, asking the questions. Um, and I was very surprised at how um, adverse they were towards anything politically related. Um, because as performers, they were afraid either they weren't going to get asked mm -hmm. back or people weren't going to like that or weren't going to do anything, you know, the, the, the repercussions for that. Um, it, it seems like having looked at all your work online and, and getting some background on it, that that there's definitely a political um, bent to that. 
um, as well as looking at, at women's issues and other things. Um, I talked briefly with Nina the other day on the phone about the, the whole concept of um, women's art or, or feminism or, or things like that um, and wanting to, the challenge of wanting to acknowledge it um, without kind of putting it in a box or, or you know, a, um, you talk about like a, a woman singer-songwriter or a woman athlete or something like that. You know, they're, they're an athlete, they're a singer-songwriter, they're an artist. Um, but that said, I think the work that you guys do, um, and even I assume kind of somewhat of the theme of this mm -hmm. um, show, is, is related to women's issues as well as political stuff? Is that definitely. Definitely? I think it's a, a thread between all of our works is that um, we're touching on our lives, our personal issues in our lives, but they, because they're personal, they're also political. And um, it's sort of interesting to me. I feel like we're, we're, the three of us are sort of kindred spirits in a sense that, um, and I feel very lucky to have like found them and their work because it, it, it's, it's rare mm -hmm. to me to mm -hmm. find that, especially in, in this area. Ginger, how did you meet these other two characters? That's a great question, and I was nodding when Nina was speaking about the kindred spirits and the rarity of finding the work. Um, so I met Susan as a student uh, in the BFA program at Johnson State College, and then in the MFA program at Johnson State College, which is where I um, did most of my art practice and art making. And then I met Nina through Susan, uh, when Susan asked both of us to be in a show together, and we met um, in Middlebury for lunch and talked through it. And um, I was apprehensive, but also excited about it. And uh, having seen the show and been there for part of the installation of it, I, I think it came together really beautifully. And that the work, um, each of our work is different. Our media is different. And uh, our themes are slightly different, but adjacent. And the work really speaks to, all of our work speaks to the other work in the show, which I think is really uh, really powerful. Mm -hmm. And I, I noticed, in, again, in looking at, at the, the work that I could find online, um, you you all work in multimedia. And I wondered if anybody wanted to talk about um, when you come up with an idea or a concept or something you want to do, um, how do you how do you decide what media to work in? Or does the media drive the, the focus of, of your work? Uh, this is this is Susan. Uh, that's a really good, a really good question. Um, I think um, many artists do stick to one media. Mm -hmm. I know I have friends who are painters, and they they define themselves as painters. I I know people who um, are sculptors, and they stay maybe working with one or two materials there. Um, I've just always been attracted to concept first. Mm -hmm. um, I'll get an idea. I think a lot. I probably think too much, <laughs> but I get an idea, and then um, the idea itself will continue without even working on it. It'll continue in my head, and before you know it, I'll be picking up materials. Um, I... I spend a lot of time trying to be aware of what's going on around me in the world, um, not just politically, personally, kind of the state of what's happening in the world. And that 
uh, just that ideation usually draws me to a certain material, a certain way of working. It's it's kind of a kinesthetic uh, situation. I feel like it goes through my body, but mm-hmm. that's just the way I work. Um, I wanted to work with both Nina and Ginger because I felt that both of them had a wonderful grasp of materials. Um, none of us use precious materials. Uh, Nina's using discarded book covers um, and uh, uh, works on paper, but I never feel like her work is precious in that. And I think it's really humble and hard-hitting and powerful together. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with Ginger. Um, Ginger does some wonderful in the show video animation that's really compelling. It's not self-conscious. Um, it's really um, uh, just, sorry, the phone just rang. Um, the other phone. Um, <laughs> Ginger's work isn't self-conscious. It's not fussy. Um, it's really authentic. So I think all three of us have perhaps abandoned um, preciosity, spending a lot of money on materials, and are just trying to get the job done, mm-hmm. connected with um, our lives. All three of us are moms. Mm-hmm. Um, my son, though, is 28, mm-hmm. and we've got, what, a three-year-old and a one-year-old, mm-hmm. right? Nina's got a mm-hmm. one-year-old. And that was curious, too, because we all have three sons, mm-hmm. all three sons growing up in rather a privileged environment. Mm-hmm. So that was another thing we talked about, mm-hmm. um, how these how these guys are, um, they all have artist mothers, how are they going to grow up? And what are they gonna what are they gonna contribute in the world? Hey, this is Maura Smiley and you are listening to Major Prelude and Minor Mishaps. Do you wanna speak on that at all, Ginger, or um, yeah, I can, I guess. Hmm. So for me, I think I think the piece about being a mother is just a different way of reconciling myself as a woman in the world mm-hmm. um, and raising a son and wanting him to grow up, to be, um, to be an open person, to not get trapped in what I think of as a really small box of masculinity. Um, and also just recognizing that I see the way that sexism um, and gender issues just damage everyone. I think they damage men. I think they damage women. I experience it in my own life as a woman, um, but I don't think that it's just, my feminism isn't just about what's best for women. I think it's really about what's best for everybody, mm-hmm. um, and that these small gender roles that we're ascribed to and that some of us work to break out of um, are just problematic. And I think touching back on the materials piece, like Susan, um, I have a really visceral experience of my materials and feel that um, I have an intuition about what to use and what to use next um, and why and just how that flows together. And part of that is that 
as a woman with expectations about how I'm supposed to behave or look or caretake, I can just drop that completely in my work and just express whatever is there that needs to come out of me um, without being fussy about it, without worrying about that perception. And for me, that's the first place, art is the first place that I've fully found that freedom. Um, and then it's something I can start to practice in other areas of my life. Can I ask Ginger and Nina a question? Sure, go right um, ahead. <laughs> okay, this is Susan. So as you're talking, Ginger, I'm wondering, okay, when I go into the studio, and for me, going into the studio is, um, it's kind of a misnomer because my whole life feels like a studio. Mm -hmm. I'm never out of it in a way. I've got the luxury of time at this point in life. But I never go in thinking, I'm a woman, I'm making feminist art. <laughs> it, it never comes up. Um, mm -hmm. Probably when I was closer to the mothering, the early mothering, um, like Nina and Ginger, and I had to deal with childcare and pulling time away, mm -hmm. um, then that issue might have come up. But I think all three of us, we get into the studio, we are humans trying to make a human connection with something that we feel strongly about or something we're, we're trying to figure out or a way of connecting with the world. So I would call myself, I certainly am a feminist, um, but I'm, the humanist in me is uh, kind of the und undeniable umbrella of it, of mm -hmm. the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering about you folks. I'm certainly, I'm that much older than you, and so I'm at a different point in my life. And both of you have had to deal with working, child care, and being an artist, and having a family. So that's a different kind of thing. This is Ginger. I think for me, when I go to the studio to make work, it feels like I'm I'm tr really trying to explore and get to know myself um, in a new way. And then what comes out is just, yeah, I agree. It's just often for me about gender, sexuality, body, physicality. Um, and that's maybe just where my work is. But I don't, I don't usually intend to make something that's feminist or political. Um, it's more experiential. And I think then sometimes, uh, when I do go and I say, I'm going to make a piece about this subject, it just doesn't uh, resonate for me very well. It feels um, it feels a little too planned or thought out or um, there's a different, it's not as authentic. And for me, it's really about being authentic. Um, so, yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And Nina, I was wondering if you have any thoughts about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess so. I, I was just thinking about like, I was kind of like feeling nostalgic about the days where I could go into the studio and be like, oh, I, and, and just really be in there and not, um, but I think I come into the studio now as like a new mother with my idea and what I'm going to, the materials that I'm going to work with and I sort of execute but that doesn't always work out, kind of like what Ginger was saying about having like, um, 
sometimes that clarity is like misleading. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say that usually my work starts with something that has been said, mm -hmm. um, something that I've written down, something that I've rewritten, um, but it's usually short and simple and um, and then I and then I find the material that I want to work with. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm I think I would also agree that um, even though I uh, identify as a feminist and an intersectional feminist, I uh, that's not the uh, that's not like the badge that I wear when I go into the studio. It's um, it's I'm usually working out things that are very personal to me and that. Um, when people do connect with it, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. Mm -hmm. I think uh, one thing that's interesting about uh, the arts in general, I, I play music, that's kind of my, my thing, but, um, and I, I'm a little bit more familiar with Nina's work because she's right around here, um, um, is the ability to kind of put something up there that says something without literally saying it or putting it, you know, your work has words in it, but it, they, there's some stuff between the lines, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, and I wonder how much forethought goes into that or does that kind of just come out in the process of, of what you're trying to do? Um, I think typically what it, when it comes to the things that, uh, when it comes to the pieces that do have words, I think they're just vague enough or um, open enough for people to put their own interpretation of things. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, there's sometimes when people come to me and talk to me about my work, I'm always kind of, I'm not always, but occasionally very surprised about what, what they're getting from it is not what I intended or for myself. Um, but, um, I think that is, uh, what art is supposed to do. It's supposed to be open to other people's, um, interpretations. Ginger, I just watched uh, one of your, your stop animation pieces, if that's the correct mm -hmm. phrase. It's on your stop website? Stop motion animation. Yeah, stop motion. Stop motion, okay. Uh, yeah. That's a, that's a very powerful piece that has, um, you know, very few words, usually one mm -hmm. or two on, on each. Uh, there's, I don't know how many rounds there are or how many sections there mm -hmm. are. Um, but I, I found that was really powerful. Um, and I was curious how you... Um, worked with both the the words that you chose and the and the images that you put together for that? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, the stop motion animation was really a new form for me. Um, I was having some tendonitis and wasn't able to make work in my usual way, which is just really tactile and um, a lot of paper and a lot of, like Susan said, not precious materials. Um, and so when that happened, I, I explored a lot of different modalities for how to use work without uh, physically putting pencil to paper. Um, and one of the things that happened was that I just discovered this way that I could bring existing work together, so cutouts of figures and landscapes that I'd made, and start to really just tell a story about about those figures and and things that have happened in my life or that I that I'm thinking about in the world and just moving them together and then capturing an image in between those movements uh, was was really interesting but the the joy in it for me came when I strung them together into an animation and then started 
searching for sound. Mm -hmm. Like what kind of sound would go with Mm. this action or this movement? And um, there are just um, countless sounds that you can find online and listen to and listening for just the right, um, just the right echo or just the right timing. And then building those sounds into the animation um, was really, was really powerful for me. I actually was a musician growing up um, and, and didn't find visual art until later in life. Um, so it was this way of kind of bringing both of those forms together mm-hmm. in my work. Very cool. Excellent. Um, so I, want, I wanted to wrap up with, a, with my joke of the day, which is that I, uh, <laughs> I, I always thought that artists created work so that they didn't have to talk. Mm. So, so what is the idea of an artist talk for those who aren't familiar <laughs> with that? I think it's really just touching on different aspects of your work, how you create um, maybe different mediums of, of which you work in. Um, I guess I, I'm still learning, but. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just going to say, um, I, I always think about it like um, if you look out and you see these people who have shown up, at your event. They're kind enough. They're generous enough to share that hour with you. And it's almost like writing them a letter. It's almost like looking out mm. and in a very friendly way saying, thank you for coming. Mm. And they are going to ask you questions. Right. And I don't think they necessarily want the work explained, but you're trying to further a bridge your work is there. Most people are really intimidated when they walk into a gallery. Mm. Mm-hmm. Artists tend not to be, mm. but most people will walk in and just don't even know where to begin. Right. So I feel like it's a generous act to, um, and I try to look around and be friendly, mm-hmm. be um, thank you for coming. <laughs> Do you have questions for me? Mm-hmm. Or this is this is why I decided to do this work. Not necessarily what the work is about, mm-hmm. but this is why I decided to do that work. Or this work started out being this and turn, <coughs> turned into that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and most people are really gracious. Mm-hmm when it comes to that. So it's it's really a very informal thing. Okay. Great. Do you want to speak at all on that, Ginger? Yeah, I just, um, when I go into a gallery or a museum, a work that interests me, I just, I try to get as close as I can. I really want to see if I can see the brush strokes or figure out what materials they're using and just get that window in. And I think an artist talk is actually like a window into the artist's mind or even their soul. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just sharing more about their process and their experience with the viewer so that they can they can see the work in a, in a different light. Cool. So the artist talk is going to be January 19th, which is a Sunday, right? From 2 to 4? Yes, this Sunday. Yes, yes. This Sunday, and that's at Susan Calza Gallery on Main Street in Montpelier, right? Yeah. Um, any place online that people could go to get more information about this or that you want to send them? Um, my website, <coughs> excuse me, 
um, my website, which is susancalza.com, and there is a page at the top that says um, Susan Calza Gallery, and if you click on that, it will uh, give you the information, and it will also show you images of mine, Nina's, and Ginger's that are in the show. Well, great. Well, thanks to you guys for uh, coming down here via phone and Nina for coming down here uh, in person. <laughs> thank, you, thank you, George. And, uh, uh, yeah, thanks, George. It sounds like yeah, a pretty amazing, amazing exhibit. I hope you get some good turnout for your artist talk. Thank you. Great. Yeah. Thank you, George. Thank you. Okay, have a good one. My name is Chris Francoeur, and you're listening to Major Prelude and Minor Mishaps. Brought to you by the Rutland Herald and the Barry Montpelier Times Argus.